Hi everyone, this is Tom Wiley and welcome to the State of Work podcast, where we'll be mashing together the latest news, events and interviews with heavy hitters, all to discuss the ever-changing world of work. If you haven't already, hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast platform so you'll never miss a beat. And now to this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of State of Work, brought to you by eDays, the world's smartest absence management platform. I'm Tom Wiley and I'm delighted to welcome Julian Hyde, a specialist in workplace psychological assessment to talk about absentee leadership. Julian, delighted to have you with us and welcome to the show. Hi, hello Tom. Thank you very much and thank you very much for inviting me to be on. So yeah, I'm a chartered occupational psychologist um, and I've got actually over 30 years experience in the assessment world. And I've got a particular interest, though, in extremes of personality and leadership derailment. Uh, I'm a director and chief psychologist here at PCL, which stands for Psychological Consultancy Limited. And we're a boutique firm of business psychologists. We offer personality assessments, assessment and development consultancy, and also some training in psychometrics. But um, one of the products that we distribute, the Hogan Suite of Personality assessments comes from um, a global uh, specialist in this area, Hogan Assessment Systems. And they don't only publish assessment, they do a lot of research in the leadership space. And one of the topics that they've been studying recently is absentee leadership. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks for that intro, Gillian. I actually read your article on hrdirector.com about absentee leadership, and I can't wait to have you on the show to discuss more about it and the impact it has on employee engagement and workplace culture. So tell us more, Gillian, what is absentee leadership? Okay, so, well, absentee leaders are people who are in leadership roles. They've been given that position. They've been given that status. Um, So everybody views them as a leader, and they're supposed to take on those responsibilities. But for one reason or another, they don't. They, they, they sort of fail to take on those leadership responsibilities. They're psychologically absent. And it might be that they've been maybe overpromoted. Maybe they were good at their previous role, so they got the next step up the ladder. But now they're in a really uncomfortable place for them. Um, and they're really struggling perhaps with the notion of being a leader and all the extra responsibilities that that entails. And so they don't engage in any particularly meaningful way with their teams. Um, You might even say they abdicate the responsibilities and duties assigned to them, or certainly those that are related to the role of actually being a leader. And it's really very critical to have a a look at this phenomenon and to to bear it in mind within organisations. It's often, but it's often neglected, or it hasn't really kind of come to the fore until relatively recently. The, whereas the notion of constructive leadership, obviously like what's effective in leadership is, is well known, but also destructive leadership, the, um, the notion of that is quite commonplace. And the fallout from destructive leadership is well known. It could, for example, be that leaders who are very um, suspicious or untrusting, or maybe leaders who take extreme risks that other people don't um, feel very comfortable with, those might be two examples of a destructive leadership style. But absentee leaders actually compose an even greater risk to organisations. And of course, particularly in this era of remote work where people are not being monitored so closely or they're not actually thrown together and, and physically in terms of actually having to engage with their team. 
And and the thing about absentee leadership, I think, is, is while it's really critical to address it, and we'll hear a bit more about why later on, it's really difficult to do this because absentee leaders are invisible. They're, they go unnoticed. They're not doing anything outrageous. They're not doing anything to deliberately cause trouble. They're just not doing stuff. So compared to destructive leaders, for instance, I mean, they might leave a trail of chaos and unhappiness behind them, or at the, the very least, a lot of grumbling and unhappy colleagues. But absentee leaders, on the other hand, they just sort of fly under the radar. They don't cause any trouble. They don't make waves. Um, and so it makes it much harder for organisations to spot them, or even for organisations to realise that it's an issue that needs addressing in the first place. Thanks, Gillian. It sounds like absentee leadership can be very damaging for businesses. So what level of impact can absentee leadership have on individuals, employees and the business overall? Um, well, yeah, it um, can be a very far-reaching and consequential kind of impact, in fact. And in fact, perhaps even more so than destructive leadership, as has been shown by some research carried out by Hogan Assessments. Um, but firstly, actually, it might be helpful to describe some of the behaviours that absentee leaders engage in so we get a bit more of a feel for what is it they actually do. So far, I've just said, you know, well, they just, you know, they don't engage and things like that. But really, there's a lot of what they don't do. So, for instance, they probably don't give their reports any direction. They don't give feedback on performance. They don't reward performance. And perhaps they don't even try to engage or with or motivate their colleagues. And of course, as I said before, actually, in the current world of remote working, it's really easy to see how these tendencies could become even more exaggerated in a remote context as compared to an office context. That kind of disconnect, that disengagement, it's, you know, it's going to make it even harder for people who, for whom engagement doesn't come naturally to actually make themselves engage with their team when actually they can just be working from home and they can switch off their computers. Um, so in terms of the impact um, that this actually has then on the people that they work with, so on their direct report, it's quite useful to have a think about the, both the direct and the indirect impact it has on people. So starting with direct impact, um, so direct subordinates can suffer from role ambiguity um, because they're just not clear what they're supposed to be doing. They're not getting any leadership. They're not getting any guidance. Um, so they don't know what they should be doing. And that can be a very uncomfortable place to be if you're not really sure what you should be doing. Um, secondly, there can also perhaps be increased co-worker conflict in teams that are led by an absentee leader because they don't get resolved. Nothing happens. Nothing gets done about them to, um, to resolve the conflict because the absentee leader maybe doesn't even notice the conflicts or even if they do, they're very unwilling um, to do anything about it. They don't really want to confront that. And then thirdly, um, similarly, workplace bullying might increase in teams that are led by an absentee leader because, again, this might be something that goes unnoticed by the leader and therefore it's kind of silently tolerated by them. It's just kind of condoned because the, the absentee leader doesn't really like to confront um, or, or even kind of recognise that things are going wrong within their team. So those are a few things, you know, role ambiguity, co-worker conflicts, maybe increased uh, bullying that can happen directly. But then in turn, those um, that pattern of behaviour 
and the impact um, that it has on the team accumulates over time. And this can then in turn have a very, very consequential indirect impact. So, for example, Hogan's research found that absentee leadership has a negative impact on both employee engagement and job satisfaction. And in fact, they found that whilst those negative impacts from absentee leaders took longer to appear than negative impacts from destructive leaders, they lasted for longer. So it's kind of like it slowly, slowly builds up um, these, these negative impacts from absentee leaders. But once it sort of hits kind of a, a level, sort of threshold level, then it just sticks and, and it's very hard to, to dissipate that feeling and the dissatisfaction within, within the team. Um, you know, it, this contrasts with the effects of destructive leadership are much quicker to take effect, but then dissipate sooner after about six months, say, whereas with absentee leaders, they're shown to last for up to two years. So it's a really serious issue um, with, with very long lasting impact. Wow, that's very interesting that it can have such a lasting impact on businesses. And it's also worth pointing out the impact it can have on employee absenteeism, with those leaders putting more stress on employees that trigger more cases of burnout and unplanned leave. Would you agree, Gillian? Yes, absolutely. And there certainly does seem to be a link between um, absentee leadership style and increased incidence of staff burnout and intention to leave. Yeah, which also obviously all of this goes hand in hand with those um, the impacts on employee engagement and job satisfaction. So it's a very destructive pattern of behaviour, actually. For all that, it's it, it's just there in the background, unnoticed. You know, as I say, they're not doing anything outrageous. They're not being horrible. They're not shouting at people. But they're just not there. They're just absent from that leadership role that the rest of the team really needs from that person. You know, if you're in a team, you're looking to your leader for guidance and inspiration and help and advice and you want the occasional pass on the back all those things just small things add up to just making employees feel much happier obviously gives them the focus gives them um you know something to follow something to aim for um and also makes them feel you know like they're wanted but the absentee leader just doesn't have that in them it's it and it's not that they're um you know they're trying to um, be to have a kind of negative impact on their team on purpose. That's that's not. It's just as I say, it's just not there within them. They're not quite either quite ready for that role as a leader, or it just doesn't come naturally to them to take on that that role of okay. So yeah, I'm a leader. All right. So I've got to make sure everybody else is happy. I've got to make sure that I talk to everybody at least once a day. I've got to check in with them. For some people, it just doesn't come naturally at all, which is not surprising. You know, we do ask a lot of leaders, I think, sometimes. Um, but at least if we can start to um, be aware of this as an issue and maybe start to think about how we could identify absentee leaders and maybe how we could help them to be less absent and therefore it makes everybody more productive, including themselves. It's, it's certainly something to be thinking about. Some very powerful insights there, Gillian. So what can a business or HR leader do to identify these types of leaders and what are the early intervention tactics? Okay, so as I've already said, actually, absentee leaders, they don't stand out necessarily. So they're not obvious. They are quite hard to spot. But I guess step one 
is for organisations to even be aware of this phenomenon as a possibility, to recognise that they might have some absentee leaders in their population. And then, so once they recognise that, then they can start to look out for some signals, perhaps. And one signal might be a team where the leader just isn't communicating with their team or isn't getting involved with their team. You know, we know that absentee leaders characteristically provide very little direction. They procrastinate, delay decisions, and they kind of set a tone of overall lack of feedback and involvement. So this failure of communication and engagement means they're very unlikely to create a productive culture that helps to keep teams engaged and motivated. Um, so that's one thing to look out for, kind of levels of communication from the leader with the team. Um, but perhaps something where they might have some hard data, so organisations could also pay close attention to employee engagement data. Are there particular teams that are much less engaged than others? that could be a sign that those leaders are, are psychologically absent? Or are there teams with more complaints about conflict or bullying? Again, these could be clear indicators of, of absentee leadership. So those are a few things um, that they could look out for. Um, interestingly, actually, um, Hogan's research has suggested that there are potentially three different styles of absentee leader. Different, there are different ways of being an absentee leader. Uh, so it might be interesting just to paint the picture of these three, because I'm sure some of these will resonate with people who are listening. They probably recognize at least one of these, these types. So they've identified three types. The first type is called the feckless friend. So this is someone who might be described as they're very inoffensive, they're not demanding, they avoid any difficult decisions, and they might, though, even praise people when it would actually be more appropriate to take issue with performance. They're really conflict averse. And in terms of their personality, um, we would probably describe these people as being pretty laid back, um, not very achievement oriented, not status driven at all. But they're very outgoing, outgoing people and gregarious um, and very interpersonally sensitive, understanding and sympathetic. So they enjoy interaction and being with people, but they just don't have much purpose, no drive, no particular goal, and perhaps they're a bit too eager to please. So that kind of that notion of being too eager to please and the, being conflict averse and not really very uh, results oriented, all of that kind of packages together as your feckless friend kind of absentee leader. That's one type. The second type um, Hogan called the individual contributor. So this is quite a different type of absentee leader. They, these people very much focus on their own performance. They're just kind of in their own world. They probably think they can do most things better than other people. And they actually almost have an active fear of involving others. They really don't like to delegate. They just rather, you know, kind of do their own thing. And, and in terms of personality, we would describe these people as quite competitive and achievement oriented but very process and rule driven, very fussy, perfectionistic, perhaps a bit mistrustful. So they'll push other people away from them and, and really discourage engagement or involvement with others. They'd really just much rather do it themselves. They feel quite uncomfortable having to engage with people. And then the third type is the solipsist. So these types uh, live in a world where others and their views are just irrelevant to them. 
Um, you know, probably these people are very clever, very knowledgeable, but politically and interpersonally, they're just clueless. They might criticise people's work, but then not actually offer them any useful feedback. They might make bold statements, but they don't check in with the rest of the team as to whether that's something that everybody else is working towards. So in terms of personality, these people would be described as very competitive, very achievement oriented, but overly confident, too sure of themselves, perhaps overbearing and domineering and lacking in interpersonal sensitivity and tact. They're just, they're just not very interested in involving others. It doesn't worry them. It's just that they're just not interested. Other people are just irrelevant and they just prefer to go their own way. So those are some kind of trying to sort of paint a picture, I think, can, can help to bring to life how some of these absentee leaders might differ from each other and, and, and in terms of their personality. Where does that sort of um, uh, psychological absence come from? And it could be come from conflict aversion. It could come from just kind of thinking their way is the best. You know, there are, there are different reasons why people might be an absentee leader. Sure. You could see this problem as an iceberg with a lot of the impacts not being clearly visible to the business. So I could be right in assuming that there are HR leaders listening now and realising that, that they have a problem with absentee leadership in their business. I'm wondering how they could do a better job of spotting this and even fixing it. So what would you recommend to those HR leaders listening on, on how to overcome the challenge of absentee leadership? OK, well, obviously, we've um, discussed the research that's shown that the impact of, of absentee leadership can be very far reaching on reduced employee engagement and job satisfaction and long lasting. So and we would expect that in turn to have an impact on productivity and profitability, because, as you know, job satisfaction has been shown through numerous research studies to link to performance, to turnover and to organisational commitment. So, yeah, some, some um, far-reaching consequences. So how might an organisation fix it? Well, firstly, they need to be able to identify who is or is in danger of being an absentee leader. So we all, we've covered this a little bit. We talked about looking at employee engagement variability between teams and perhaps conflict in teams as potential warning signs. But you could also perhaps um, undertake a programme of 360 feedbacks for team leaders. Um, and because a, a 360 feedback process involves all people who work with the individual leader, so their line manager, their direct reports, peers, and sometimes even clients give ratings on the leader's performance, and the leader gives a self-rating too. And it'd be very interesting to see where there's variability or mismatches between those ratings on aspects of performance to really help guide the, the leader's development. But in this case, specifically in relation to absentee leaders, it would be really interesting to see if team leaders are receiving low ratings from their team on performance issues such as communication and people management. Those would be two you know, things in particular that you'd want to have a look at because these could be really red flags to pick up on. And particularly if these ratings are lower than those given by the team leaders' managers. So they, the people above them aren't seeing a problem or an issue, but the, the direct reports are they're feeling there's very much a lack of communication and a lack of people management. And implementing a 360 program is fairly straightforward and probably a lot of the, the listeners here have, have done it. And it's certainly something um, that we, it's a service that we routinely offer um, to our clients. Um, so I, I think that would be, that would be one, um, one way of, of um, 
starting to address the issue, identifying and then, yeah, through through 360s, see which, which team leaders seem to um, be coming across as more psychologically absent to their team than, than others. So once you've identified people as absentee leaders, though, then what can you do? Well, the organisation itself could implement a policy that could help these team leaders. So it could implement a policy, for example, for managers to actually block out a set time each day as open door time so that the team members know it's okay, it's acceptable during that time slot to approach their manager with quick questions or to ask for advice on a decision or to address a concern. And providing more structure in this way just helps everybody. It helps to set expectations and it reassures the team that they will be able to get the answers and support they need. And it's, it's, it's like it's a directive, really, but it makes sure that the absentee leader has that time blocked out. Every day there's some open door time. So that's something the organisation could do. But the individual leaders themselves need to start doing some work, really, on developing themselves. So they could be encouraged to take steps themselves to try to increase their communication. Again, whether that's through scheduled time slots or structured sessions, maybe knowledge sharing sessions um, where they can have team discussions. So things that are timetabled, because for these people, you know, it doesn't come naturally for them to engage. So it does need to be done in this quite um, uh, very structured, timetabled sort of a way. So they need to find ways to let their team know when they're available, whether that's through timetabling, whether that's through putting on particular sessions in the day or in the week or in the month um, that are team sessions. Um, or maybe they should be encouraged to find ways to work directly with team members on specific projects. So again, that could be something that's diarised, that there are particular team members, they find the time to work with on a particular project at certain times. But I think it would be good also to remind the team leaders that in engaging with their team, they don't need to know everything. You know, maybe that might be one of their worries. They, they should come to these sessions in the spirit of just being honest about what they do and what they don't know, so that they're ready to both help their team, but also to learn from the team. Um, so those are some of the things um, that an organisation um, could do uh, to try to, to, to fix it. Um, so I think really, you know, you can see this is a really significant issue and is likely to be one that's even more significant with the rise in remote working that's happened over the last 12 months. Because it's just all too easy for an absentee leader to become even more absent in that context, to abdicate even more of their responsibilities. But as we've discussed, there are some steps that both the organisation and the individual can take to improve the situation. And I think um, it's worth bearing in mind one of the descriptors that comes from home about absentee leaders is, is they're described as the silent killers of an organisation. Silent because they go unnoticed, but it's almost like they're blocking the arteries of an organisation. Their underperformance often goes unnoticed, so they, they, they block those arteries and they maybe stand in the way of people who could be more effective as leaders. Yeah, clearly the pandemic and shifts to remote working have dialed up the challenge of absentee leadership there. And it's so important to encourage better communication and put actions into place to avoid it. Amazing takeaways there, Gillian. And if there's anybody out there listening that have questions and want more information about absentee leadership, how, um, how's the best way to get in touch with you? 
Well, um, people can get in touch with me through LinkedIn. Um, I'm very happy to connect with people and to answer questions on there. But also we have a website, um, psychological-consultancy.com. And we've got details there about our 360 process. So if people want to go and have a look at that, um, and they can find out more from the website. Thanks so much for your time today, Gillian. It was great to have you with us. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this amazing episode of State of Work. Thanks for being with us and we hope to see you next time. If you have any questions or feedback for us, feel free to head over to e-days.com and get in touch. Alternatively, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Bye for now.